Blog Talk Radio. That pretty much says it all, doesn't it? Welcome, folks, to another 
fun-filled, informative hour of the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. The doctor is not for medical. It is for Ph.D. in history from the College of William & Mary. Some folks have asked if I was a medical doctor, so I thought I'd go ahead and put that out there. Anyway, today's date, May 31st. This month is all almost over. Wow. Beautiful, palatial, old town Alexandria overlooking my giant picture window across at the Potomac. From my window, I can see the Potomac. I can see the Watergate Hotel just across the way there and a bit of the Capitol. There are trees now blossomed all out nice and pretty. Folks are walking around having a great time. The park is right across from my uh, from my place here, so I can see folks are out having a great time. And just like yesterday, I was strolling over on Union and uh, and King over by the Starbucks. I have right here in my hand a uh, triple vente white mocha, my usual drink over at Starbucks. Uh, folks are out. No, spending cash, having a great time. Got a lot of tourists in the area. This is the tourist season for Old Town Alexandria, for most of uh, D.C. as well. Folks are having a great time. Anyway, let's get on with the show. We don't need a, a, a scientific study to conclude that evil is evil is always among us. And as long as humans exist in this world, there will be evil. You can see it on a daily basis, or at least read about it. The evil that men do lives after them. The good is often interred with their bones, observed Mark Anthony and Julius Caesar. And, of course, as the shadow program used to remind us, Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? I do. Psychiatrists do. They have to ask, they they have the task of dealing with the dark side of human nature regularly. Whether it manifests itself because of drug use, because of biological or psychological or genetic abnormalities, what have you. Recent science investigations suggest that one very special human evil. Can you guess what it is? Cyber Cyber Cite is in the chat room. Oh my goodness. It must be a slow night. <sighs> well, I'm glad she's here. She is a uh, a uh, an attorney, a very well-read, uh, um, well-spoken uh, lady who has a blog, which is quite popular with a lot of my friends. I have uh, tuned them into Cyber City's blog, and uh, they they pretty much dig it. <sighs> anyway, back to what I was saying. Recent science investigations suggest that a very special human evil, and by now you've probably guessed what that is, envy. Envy is hardwired into our brains. Now, I I only have envy when some really ugly dude 
most likely one who's black as the ace of spades, is walking around with one really fine hot chick. At that point, the hardwired envy kicks in. But when folks have more than I do, or things that I don't have, I don't have that kind of envy. Mostly because I can go out and buy whatever I want. So if he's got it, most likely I can go out and get it too. But, you know, you see, uh, the other day I was driving down the road in my 2004 Nissan Maxima. It's loaded to the gills, no doubt. It's still a fine car. I don't see the wisdom in putting a house payment uh, a, a, a house down payment, or if for a lot of folks, the what what the cost of a whole house would be into an automobile. I just I just don't see that, and it's something that it took from my father. Uh, he didn't believe in that either. But I saw a guy driving down King Street here in Old Town in a nice fine Rolls, and of course. Pulled up right next to him in my Nissan Maxima. I looked over at him. Black guy, too. Gave him a nod. <laughs> he nodded back, and he rolled on. There was no envy there. But a new study of adults explains why other people's possessions always seem better. Other people's stuff. Seeds of this desire are not sown in the mirror neutron, neutron system. The mirror neutron system. A part of the brain that is activated in a similar pattern where the person is performing an action or merely watching someone else do it. It's called a mimetric desire. And it was first articulated by the French philosopher René Girard in the 1980s. Envy can spread among people like a disease, a force that explains much of human behavior. And that's what we have with our current commander-in-chief. Envy. The key point about envy is that it is never directed toward that which is bad. Rather, it is hateful. A hateful attack on the good. People who specialize in envy usually don't really want the good things the other person has as much as they want to ensure that the other person doesn't have that item or that thing or them or or they to make sure that they don't get to keep them. Are you following me here? If they do desire someone else's possessions, they desire. That desire comes as a distant second to the de- to the desire to destroy the good that others have. Ayn Rand spoke about this in her book Atlas Shrugged. Envy. Envy is the underlying emotion behind the Marxist troop 
from each according to his ability. Wait. I have to put these in quotes. It's important. Quote, from each according to his ability to each according to his need, end quote. The enlightened and morally bankrupt among us have always believed that economic self-interest means simple voting, simply voting yourself a share of the money earned by others. Such individuals wouldn't know how to create wealth. They wouldn't know how to create wealth if their lives depended on it. That's why they seek power over others. They see it as a as the only way they can survive in this real world. Since they cannot admit the painful truth to themselves that they are inept or or, or simply ill equipped, they'll seize other people's wealth with one hand while signing the political bills that make it impossible to create the wealth on on the other hand. You know who I'm talking about. The truth is that they deeply hate those who create the wealth that they want to steal and seek to destroy them even though at some level they understand that they cannot survive without them. Who is John Galt? Atlas Shrugged talked all about it. 1957. And here we have it going on here this very day. These people cannot face the fact that this reality is never spoken of in polite society. In today's America, envy is celebrated. Watch some of the Occupy Wall Street people in action. Or, for that matter, listen to many congressmen and senators opine on the subject of making sure that everyone pays their fair share. It's always a malignant and consuming pastime, isn't it? Because it's one of the more destructive aspects of our human nature. Resentment is closely allied with envy. Professor Professor uh, Solwell has written about the politics of resentment. And the creation back in the 1960s of a whole government-supported industry of race hustling. President Johnson's, uh, Lyndon Johnson's war on poverty, a war that we've lost, by the way. He, he, his administration bankrolled all kinds of local leaders and organizations with, with taxpayer money in the name of community participation in shaping the policies of government. Now, these leaders and the community activists have had every reason to hype racial resentments and to make issues of us against them. One of the largely untold stories of our time has been the story of how Acorn, Jesse Jackson, and other community activists have been able to transfer billions of dollars from banks to their own organization's causes. With the aid of the federal government, racial anger and racial resentment 
are the fuel that keeps this lucrative racket going. See Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, and a whole host of race baiters. Folks, is there no doubt that the modern Democrat Party is almost entirely based on hyping both envy and resentment and appealing to the worst of human nature? By doing so, yeah, they've created destructive and wealth-destroying armies of entitlement whose goal, whether they admit it or not, is actually to destroy wealth and the source of wealth. Without envy. Now listen to me. Without envy, there would be no Democrat Party today. And when Professor Sowell says that, and I quote, whole totalitarian governments have risen to dictatorial power on the wings of envy and resentment ideologies, end quote. It is clear that even the least observant, it's clear to, to a blind man, Stevie Wonder could see it in a minute, that this is a destructive path, which is being foistered on this country by many of its current leaders, and of one you know of which I speak, of whom I speak of envy and resentment are the bane of civilized society. In fact, these negative human emotions are essentially decivilizing this this whole planet. For those individuals who ferociously cling to them and their own sense of entitled victimhood. We see it every single day in the Occupy Wall Street movement, don't we? Societies that are based on the emotion of envy and resentment are doomed, doomed to descend into tragedies written in the blood of millions. I should have put that in quote, too, because that's not an original thought from me. I wish it were. As each individual and special interest group fights, all the other folks for their fair share, or ever-shrinking amounts of wealth, eventually they'll run out of other people's wealth in which to steal. So, we'll finish this segment off with this. We, no, you, elected a leader, or so you thought, a president, the most powerful country on this planet, still, who seeks to divide this great nation into us, Versus them. Oh, we can fly our corporate jets, but we just have to pay a little more. 
Michael Bloomberg has told us that he needs to force us to understand what we're doing to our bodies in terms of obesity. We need to be forced to understand. Where does this forcing us to understand end? And why should Michael Bloomberg be forcing me to do anything? That moron is going to turn New York City into a fucking desert. Folks are already leaving that town in droves. Oh yeah, they'll say they're New Yorkers while they're living in Idaho or Virginia or Florida like my main man Rush Limbaugh. Let's look at human history. No. Let's wait until we come back from the break. Because we, what we really want to get into here is why Obama will not win re-election. So we'll finish up our wealth envy deal another day. Or our envy deal another day. You're damn right, Cyber City. You know what? I don't drink soda, but if I did, and if I were in New York, I'd buy a gallon of that shit, and I'd guzzle it. I'd buy, I'd buy a round for the house, and if I had to put it in two containers, then so damn be it. Hey, <laughs> Bloomberg's not going to tell me what to do, but hey, I'm got. <laughs> I'm getting out of line here. Let me go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come right back. We have a call on the line. We'll take our call as soon as we come right back. Once again, you're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. We'll be right back.
Sacred Prime Time pops with excitement, start to finish, as callers argue passionately their point. Jermaine and Cool Mike host this sizzling two-hour cage match while keeping the show just this side of sanity. Dangling over the edge, Conservative Primetime is one of our most popular shows. You can listen, or, if you're brave enough, call in and make your point. If you think you can debate today's political discourse, call Conservative Primetime, weeknights at 1130 on the Wild Radio Network. Please join the hit squad of dynamic radio hosts on Internet Talk Radio. Starting at 8 p.m., listen to The Situation Report with Dr. C. Robert Jones of Gojo Media. Doc Jones is a retired Marine officer and holds a Ph.D. in history. Come check out his show weeknights from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. From there, stay on board with the 2020 Network. Alternating between G-Ski Rocks and his show, Live and Direct, and David Graham of Stay Mad Radio. Taking you to bedtime with wit and wisdom and class and clarity. Join this nightly tea party family and bring your friends. Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time. What to do, do, do on Friday? Well, keep your internet radio routine with Tesla's great show, Socialism is Not an Option. The Roundtable Roundup Edition, where you can call in and vent your frustrations from the week. It's an open line discussion where other radio hosts and listeners call in and let us know what's on their mind. Every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern. So the reason Key said that Jesus Christ wouldn't vote for Barack Obama was because of Obama's fanatical support of abortion to the point of condoning infanticide. You can't handle the truth. Political correctness gone wild. These aren't really good reasons to suggest that he's scared, only that he's stupid. What is your major malfunction, nuts? You are cock-blocking. You are in the way. (laughs) I'm looking into trying to get a rooster that doesn't crow. Are you going to trust me or your lying eyes? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Yeah, I believe in the principle that you pay as you go. Obama was, in the words of Louis Farrakhan, she-elected before he was elected. There's a rhyme in there somewhere. Why so serious? I laugh out loud with glee. At every opportunity, I'm standing in the grocery line. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, hey. I'm uh, doing the laundry. Ha, <laughs> Oh, I'm walking the dog. <laughs> I was napping. I went. <laughs> And it's all because of the news today. Does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? This is David Graham of Stay Mad Radio. You're listening to Dr. C. Robert Jones and the Situation Report every weekday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. 
All right, we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Your host here, Dr. C. Robert Jones. I'm talking real fast because I've had a ton of espresso. Starbucks, triple white, uh, triple vente white mocha. Apparently in New York City, you will not be able to get a vente white mocha at Starbucks any longer if Michael Bloomberg has his way of forcing you to understand you can't drink a triple vente white mocha. It's got a lot of calories in it. It's got some chocolate in it. It's got a lot of espresso. It's got some milk. And yeah, I take some whipped cream on top. Don't you hate it when you're a super stud man like me and you're in the line and you're in a and usually there is are always some beautiful women in the Starbucks. So you're standing in line and you're trying to order your drink as manly as possible. <laughs> so here I am. I'm wearing a Marine Corps t-shirt. Officer Candidate School written on it. I've got a Marine Corps cover on. I'm wearing your typical short, short, Marine Corps shorts. And I'm standing in line. May I take your order, please? Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I like a triple vente, uh, uh, triple vente white mocha. Did you say triple vente white mocha? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Would you like whipped cream on that? At this point, you're looking around. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, well, yeah, why the hell not? Yeah, I'll work it off later, humping humping some hills and carrying a 90-pound pack on my back when I go out and <sighs> kill some bad guys. I can take the whipped cream. but And this always happens to me. It's almost impossible to say triple vente white mocha in a manly super stud type A fashion. Sometimes I stand in the mirror and I practice it, and it still doesn't come out right. Anyway, the topic of the evening, the title of our show is Obama Will Not Win Re-Election. And it's by Monty uh, 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 Perlin. And the article is written in The American Thinker, if you want to go check it out. In the meantime, we have a call waiting, so we're going to go ahead and take our call before we get into our monologue and talk about the article in The American Thinker. Caller, you're on with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones, and I'm talking real fast because I had some serious espresso. Hello? Yeah. Oh, hey. hey. Uh, let's, um, actually, let's talk about the article, but beforehand, I prefer a uh, vanilla bean cream <laughs> with the marshmallow dream bar. Oh, my God. From Starbucks? Yes. How do you say that? Do you do you kind of like ask the lady to get come? Because the, the woman behind the counter, I don't know if they have like a, it has to be in their contract, but the woman has to be good looking too and usually blonde. How do you say that in a manly way? Yeah, just say it. Yeah, you just got to say it. Yeah. Yeah, just say it. And, you know, they know why you're there. You're not there to get um, black tea. coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Get that from Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. I'm not a big coffee drinker, by the way. So uh, the whole tax in New York or the, you know, no vente or no large uh, caffeine drinks, 
it really does. It wouldn't affect me. Well, I stay in California, but it really wouldn't affect me because I don't drink coffee or I don't drink a whole lot of soda anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, I really wouldn't. Um, I really wouldn't be bothered by that. But the, the real issue, the real topic I want to discuss is why Obama will win this year. All right. Yeah. The feeling, the feeling, what, what seems to be the conservatives seem to forget why Obama will win is because one, you people ignore you, the the conservatives mm-hmm. ignore a lot of a lot of groups of people. They ignore the gays. They ignore, you know, the they ignore most black or disenfranchised minority mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and most women groups. So if, once Obama and once this starts getting into the thick of things, and Obama starts speaking to those three major groups. He'll he'll have a he'll have a great advantage over them. Um, the last time I checked, Romney was only at um, in one of those you know mock um, electoral things. He only had like a hundred and seven votes less than Obama. Now that could change between now and November, but Romney seems to not speak to anybody but top top executives and you know top exer- um, top families. Mm-hmm. What's to say? The top one percent. He doesn't. He doesn't really speak to anybody below that one percent. And unfortunately, there's more people under that one percent than there are above the one percent in this country. So, All right. Well, so, wait. So, let, 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 let's go ahead. I, I, go ahead. Finish your thought, because I'd like okay. to discuss uh, discuss the, the, these uh, in, individually with you. Okay. So because Romney doesn't speak to those and all speak to them in all his speeches, you know they're they're really going to be turned off by him by uh, November. But like I said, that that number can change come November. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, go ahead. Well, let, let's take uh, well my personal favorite. Let's take the uh, the uh, black folks. I don't use the term African American, so uh, please forgive me. Um, it's okay. My grandmother what? doesn't use that term. <laughs> All right. So when Barack Obama starts to speak to black folks, what is he going to say? He's, is he going to say that, hey, you know what, uh, or he's going to do a Tom Joyner and say, let's just not deal with the facts right now. I'm going to quote quote Tom. Let's just not deal with the facts right now. Let's just deal with our blackness and our pride. We have an opportunity no. to reelect the first black president in the United States, and I'm not afraid to say so. We should do so because he's black, end quote. Because and, and the reason I bring this up is because the unemployment rate under this president for blacks is at Depression-era levels. So what's he going to say? Um, well, wait, wait let, me, let me contrast that. Let me, uh, let me contrast that with George Bush, a white Republican. Under George Bush – the unemployment rate for his entire eight years, well, save the last year, was not above eight percent for in the black community. It's now at what fourteen to sixteen percent under this president, who happens to be a black man. Go ahead, speak to you it. Also have to think, well, you also have to also take into account of all the companies that were here during the uh, Bush era, and all the factories that were open, and all the. Various businesses. Now that those companies have left, they went overseas, they downsized. Of course, that number is going to grow even more in the uh, in the black community where those factories were really much were really really needed. So 
you can't really blame Obama for not um, for for the rise in um, joblessness among blacks. You have to place that blame squarely on the companies that have left those communities. Okay. All right. Uh, Barack Obama is the president of the United States. He it, it, does it. Does the irony not strike you one bit that we have quote the first African American president of the United States and he is presiding after nearly four years over an unemployment rate in the black community that's far and above what it ever was Once under again, any right? white president. Once again, like I said, like I said, the companies that were here, most of those mm-hmm. companies were in disenfranchised, uh, were already in black communities. When okay. they up and left or they downsized and they moved somewhere else, that le- of course that community is going to uh, feel the effects of it. Of course. All right. I don't want to. I don't want to make light of your comment. Are you suggesting that they just up and left because? Um, you know that co- they left and 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 coinciding with Obama's uh, tenure as president just despite him. No, I don't think. No, I don't think that. That's some, that's some conspiratorial thing that I'm not going to yeah. get into. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is that when companies decided that, you know, a Democratic president is in office, we're going to pay more taxes. Let's move somewhere else that you know is a little bit, you know, where the workforce is cheap and. Mm-hmm. We don't have to pay as much, and we don't have to follow all these many regulations. It's a domino effect of a lot of things. All right. It's not, and, it's not, due, it's not solely due to people electing the first black president, because he should have been a Republican, and I think things still would have been the same. Okay. We have another call on the line. Uh, G-Ski Rocks, he hosts a radio show. You may know of it. Um, uh, uh, G-Ski 2020 Radio Network comes on right after my show. Uh, G-Ski, you want to weigh in here? Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> All right. Um, wait, wait, I, wait. Before we do, uh, this is uh, G Ski, uh, which I indicated has a radio show on Blog Talk Radio, uh, nine p.m. to eleven thirty. Yes, eleven o'clock. Eleven o'clock. Okay. And uh, our my caller on uh, area code five ten. Your name again is? That's Marcel. All right, Marcel. All right, go ahead, G Ski. Okay. Um, I understand his point, and and to some degree he's correct, but what he's not factoring in is the fact of the matter when the Democrats took over Congress in both chambers with supermajorities. Remember, they raised the minimum wage in 2007. They, they Well, it didn't go into effect until 2008, but they raised the minimum wage, which put a lot of companies in a corner. Unemployment. Well, a lot of these companies Fight. are already making millions of dollars, so a dollar more in the minimum wage shouldn't really matter to them. Uh, try they just three moved because they were going to lose money. Try three dollars. You can't. You cannot make a minimum wage a living wage. That's what they're trying to do, and they're pushing companies like McDonald's and Burger King, you know, fast food companies, uh, uh, companies like, that have have maids like hotels and stuff like that. They're they push them into a corner because they're trying to make a minimum wage into a living wage, and that is a bigger burden on companies. So what they do is they let people go to, so that, therefore, they can uh, cushion this big brunt of spike in pay that they're going to see. But a lot of these companies, the companies that you mentioned, 
they already make close to several million dollars a year. Once again, three dollars shouldn't really matter. Now, if you want to cut corner, if you want to let a few people go, you're, why you retire a few people that've been there for? for you're talking uh, about what you're, what you're talking about. You're talking about a franchise. So that means that an individual, this individual is not a millionaire. They just got a little bit of change, like Doc Jones. And they decide to buy into a franchise. You know, some of these franchises cost two hundred thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. They buy into a franchise. They don't. They don't have a lot of money at their disposal. They're strictly depending on the profit that that particular company makes. If you push them in a corner, which you want to raise the minimum wage, which the majority of their workers are being paid. Then you're going to push them in a corner, and they're going to have to make a decision. Do I want to make continue to make a profit, or do I want to take a loss? They're but going to lay people off so that they can continue to make a profit. That's what they're doing. And the people, again, especially people in the black community, are suffering because they're trying to compensate for that loss to continue to make a profit. Okay, but once again, you're, nobody buys into a struggling franchise. When you buy McDonald's, are going to make some money on it. It's not like it all depends on maybe it all a little depends on where you put that franchise or where you put that location at, but you're going to make some money. Uh, right now, the cheapest food I can buy right now because I live by myself, uh, no kids, now, I'm not even married, I don't even have a girlfriend right now. The cheapest, the cheapest food I can buy we can right fix now. That. That was, we, we can we I, can fix that for you. But you know, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> but the cheapest food that I can buy right now is anything off a dollar menu. That will stretch me until. Right now, it's not a pay week right now. I, if I have $10 right now, I can go to a dollar menu every day with taxes included and buy off the dollar menu every day. So you can't tell me that, the, you can't tell me that you know, the franchise owner is not a is, – is, so franchise owner is not a, a stupid businessman. He's a good businessman. Yes, he's put into a corner a little bit with this $3 raise, but he's going to make that up with – but he's going to make that up depending on where he's at. Now, if you're in a okay. small area and you're in, a, you're in those little tiny towns and you've got to pay $3 extra, I understand you let people go. That, that's perfectly understandable. But when you're in, like, when you, like me, you live in a big city, letting someone go because you have to pay them $3 more, that's, that's ridiculous. Wait, wait a minute now. Hold on. I, I, I have a business here, too. Now, here's the thing. I started my business with money from my pension, money from my family. Well, you know, wait, wait on, hold on, hold on now. Let me finish my thought. And if if I have, if I'm forced to hire someone for my business and pay them more than my operating budget allows, I'm going to find a way to let that person go, or not hire a new person and give extra work to the to to my employees or do the work myself because because what you're saying is that. And a business owner, if he is forced to raise the minimum wage of his employees and he makes X amount of dollars, then he should gladly or, or begrudgingly give up some of his jack so that he can hire someone just so they can be hired. I don't feel that I need – that I should support someone so that they can support their families just because – what you, but that's what you are. You're you're a business owner. You hire these people. So in effect, you are helping them support their family by giving them a job. If right. you want to help support the family, you give them a job. But I'm doing so because I need their their work effort. And if I don't need their work effort, then 
I don't need them. I mean, it's it's a cold, I know, but I'm not in business to prop someone up or take care of their families. I'm in business for myself. But I'm in do you business realize, for money. Do you realize that's what you're doing by hiring by hiring employees? If like I, you said, if you can do everything yourself, you do it. You, if you can do all the work that needs to be done that day, you do it yourself. Right, but if the government says to me, you're paying so-and-so $12 an hour, and we think you should pay him 16 I'm going to tell the government to go screw themselves, and if they force me to pay more, I'm going to get rid of that employee. And the government will be responsible for that employee not having a job, not me. So, okay, we have another call on the line, 267. You're on with the, with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Yeah, I just want to say uh, uh, that the minimum wage was designed to be an entry-level wage for people who had no work experience and and also the person, uh, like, correctly had no education. The reason why the government wants to raise, uh, like, what uh, the minimum wage is is because they don't want to deal with the underlying problem of them having a lot of, people who are unskilled workers uh, that are currently in the workforce. And if we deal with that problem, we wouldn't have to worry about trying to raise uh, like what the uh, 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 minimum wage is. Now, if a person works at a job at an entry-level wage and they gain, say, uh, two or three years' experience, their wage is not going to be at the minimum wage. So, you know, that wage, it, it, that wage was was just put into place to deal with people who were under the age of eighteen, who were minors, or or people who were in a temporary uh, type of work uh, type of situation. Uh, so you know, like a person was not. Uh, uh, most employers did not design that wage for a person to actually live on that for uh, 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 for long periods of time. But I think what's eventually going to bring the president down in November is if he pushes this uh, federal mandate for uh, same-sex marriage. Now, Christian pastors are going to have to operate on principle and say that the Bible condemns uh, uh, the act of uh, homosexuality. And if the president pushes that this be a federal mandate, that would mean that homosexual couples could sue uh like individual Christian churches if they don't uh perform the marriage uh ceremony for them. And so, you know, that's the danger of the president trying to overcome uh uh the uh, Defense of Marriage Act and make uh same sex marriage a federal mandate is that what could eventually come down the line is you would have homosexuals saying that if this Christian pastor doesn't overcome his belief that um, the act of uh, two gay people being married is wrong according to the Bible, then we can file uh, like some type of civil action lawsuit, uh, like possibly uh, uh, like against his church. All right, six one six, you're on with the C. Robert Jones situation report. You want to chime in here? Uh, yeah. Well, I guess the argument over who's going to win this fall will be decided this fall. I think we're going to see, as we always have, with the exception of the last election, presidential election, most elections have gone back and forth. I know at a, cer at a certain time, um, 
Jimmy Carter and uh, Jerry Ford were neck and neck, and it went back and forth. Uh, Reagan pretty mu- pretty much at that time because times were bad had a lead, but the Michael Dukakis and uh, George uh, George H. Bush um, went back and forth, and it's the same thing here. It well, it didn't do that uh, in '08 because basically the Republicans had destroyed an awful lot and kind of lost track of uh, what was important. But now things uh, hopefully are, are veering off, and we'll see what happens. As far as the minimum wage has almost zero effect. On on th- this type of uh, it is a government control which you don't want, but it, th- this is more of something Karl Rove says, and that the stupid idiots just fall in line with that idiot. The minimum wage has zero effect on the economy. Uh, companies like McDonald's and others are flourishing; they still continue to grow. They're very competitive. Blah blah blah. Just a bunch of garbage. It's the influx of Im- illegals that drive our wages down, and that is 100% controlled by the Republican Party. Now, they need to get away from that, and do, but they don't want to. That's the thing. They want lower but, wages. But what about 510's five, five uh, uh, contention, his, um, his analysis that um, Democrats – like Barack Obama speak to the masses. They uh, uh, they speak to blacks. They speak to gays. They speak to Latinos. They speak to the ladies. But but um, people like Romney, us evil Republicans. He didn't say evil. I just threw that one in there. <laughs> Republicans only speak to that one percent. You know the the haves versus the have nots. Uh, Calvin Coolidge was under that. Uh, Statement. So was every single Republican. It's always a statement that somehow, and this this did take place after during GW's time. So some of that is maybe a little valid. But you're you're seeing a a transformation if you're looking at the primaries in the Republican Party this year. In the primaries, you are seeing conservative Tea Partiers and an other type. But that's been a label to the GOP. It's never stuck. I mean, that the idea that – where in the Democrats do they worship somebody who makes six bucks an hour? Who's in control of it? Billionaire. You have Karl Rove. You have the movie guy, whatever his name is. Uh, you don't have any broke people. Barack Obama is – Barack Obama fiddles the tune that the people want to dance to, and in a, everything he has done hurts the middle class. Everything. There's not one thing – I am a middle class person. There's not one thing you can point to that Barack Obama has done that has helped the middle class. If so, I mean, Ronald Reagan struggled for two years of his administration with the recession. But then when his policies got in place, it started to open up. Barack Obama is so, – we're on the Titanic, and he's trying to he's trying to give us all like these little uh, blow-up rowboats. No, <laughs> uh, five no, one, no, no chance. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Five one zero. Any any response to that? Well, if you think that, well, we say Barack Obama. We're on a tight time. Barack Obama's giving us these little rollbills to say, us. I don't think the Republicans are giving us anything. It's they're saying, oh, every man for themselves. You know what? Stop right there. Every man for themselves. What a novel idea. That's not not when the ship is going down. No, 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 no. Every man for themselves. Even if the ship isn't going down, what a novel idea. Barack Obama said in his Osawatomie, Kansas speech that Republicans want you to go out and fend for yourselves. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up where my parents wanted me to go out and fend for myself. Without They, they gave me the tools I needed to flourish in society, or so they hoped. 
And here's the thing about that. That's the Wait a minute now. Fend for yourself. What's so bad about that? Let me explain that why it's so bad. Okay. First of all, you're telling people to fend for themselves, but we're not gonna give you the we're not gonna give you any tools to do it. You figure out the tools. The tools how many, come from how many tools come from your parents, right? Why should the government are the are the government our parents, our keepers, our our guardians? But pretty soon those people the people you told to fit for your the told to go fit for yourselves with no tools, eventually they will become parents. And what will they have to give to their children? So then those who are less uh, need to what have are the, the tools government's gonna give you. I mean with all, I agree with some of the things you said about Obama, but what are the tools the federal government is going to give G Ski, myself, Doc Jones, yourself, John from Philly, what are the tools they're going to give us to help us uh, become the next, uh, you know, Bill Gates or whatever? Uh, I mean, that, that, that's that, the statement's quite a bit naive, with all due respect. G Ski, yeah, I, I mean, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Steve Jobs, um, Warren Buffett, uh, Mark, uh, Mark Cuban, all of these guys, Fend. For themselves and look where they are and look at those who don't fend for themselves with and get assistance from the government like uh, Solyndra to name just one entity they're bankrupt now light squared uh, yeah light squared all of that just well, those are all nice thoughts but there it's history has showed us that it's never worked never never what's ever ne- worked. what's never Even worked in some ways government giving giving I think that's great that locals uh, give you a boost financially when you start your own business. They want to help the local economy. That's great. But really, you cannot really point to one successful government no. operation. Not even government itself is self-sufficient. The only thing that the government has been very good at running was the United States military. Yeah. Take, for example, my favorite example, uh, 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 Amtrak. The government runs Amtrak. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Yeah. Said it's been bank, it's gone bank, it's 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 been functioning in the yeah. red the last twenty years. And currently, uh, and uh, currently, when it comes to the public educational system, it's 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 failing in a lot of urban cities, well, and uh, a lot of school thing. boards are currently in the process of of like closing down uh, different schools in different parts of the city. Well, no, that's another thing. Most school it's most school districts are funded by property taxes it's within that within that district or within that city, because most schools are and I've been all the schools that are closing down are in poorer areas where the property value is so low that anybody with a couple thousand dollars can buy most of those houses over there. So that's but it's also local government. He's got that backwards. Yes. Uh, property taxes fund them to a degree. The most most of the money that they get is from the government, whether it's state government or federal government. The majority of the money that they receive come from the government. But once again, but once again, back to my original point. All those but schools the, that he's talking about getting ready to close, I'm betting right now they're in poor areas than they are in yeah. more affluent areas. That's true. But one of the main reasons because, why those schools are getting ready to close is because the attendance inside the school district has diminished so much. And the reason why is because of the charter school movement. The parents have chosen to take their children out of the public schools and place them in the different charter schools around the city. Also, if the parents have any extra money, 
they choose to send their children to private schools. Well, that's because the mo- that's because most of the time, and I blame the teachers union for this. Most of the time, the states hire inadequate teachers, teachers who are only there only there for a paycheck. That's the problem. There's not enough time, and the teachers that are adequate, teachers that are doing something, they're trying to make a change. They end up going to the um, charter schools or the private schools because one, the pay is better, and they got and they don't have to deal with rowdy and unruly children. All hey, right. Doc, you only got a few minutes, so thank you for taking my call. I'm going to stay on hold and listen to the rest of the show. Thank you. All right, thanks. Uh, that's cool, Mike, who is on with my girl Annie, uh, the radio chick uh, show. Uh, man, the, the 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 days, she's only on like three or four days a week. I can't even remember which days. I just tune in when I get the email. But, uh, yeah, yeah, Southern Sense, great radio show. G-Ski rocks right on after me. But I don't think G-Ski has a show on tonight. It's tomorrow night. Is that correct? Uh, I'll be on uh, tomorrow with Tesla. But uh, my show is Mondays and Wednesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. All right. And then uh, our new caller, hopefully he'll be he'll be back, uh, 510. Your name once again, sir? I'm, I'm uh, it's Marcel. There, yep, there he is. So thanks, guys, for calling in. You made this show uh, a great one tonight, and uh, folks didn't just have to hear me for the whole hour. If I'd known it was going to have such rocking callers, I would have scheduled the show for a little bit longer. You guys are great. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, We're out of here. Woo! God bless you. God bless the United States of America. We're out. Good night, folks.